Welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Cool. All right. Well, here we are on, here. A, on a frosty Thursday morning. Yeah, it was it's pretty fresh this morning. I tell you what, man, winter is coming. Yeah, it um, <laughs> gets a bit harder when you get the three o'clock wake-ups for feeding. It's like, mm. oh, it's, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. It's a bit rough. Do you, uh, do you have any sort of uh, strategies for staying warm in the 3 a.m. in the morning? You got some uh, Ugg boots, you got some beanie, what's going on? Yeah, I just, I don't know. I actually find just having him on me keeps me warm. Yep. So I usually just yep. go back into bed, yep. put the blankets back over and yeah. just... Yeah. All good. Look, I'm sure that there's probably some smarter listeners who could explain why like body to body body warmth is like crazy weird. How, it's it's a weird thing it that is, like yeah. if like another human being is next to you skin to skin, you just like keep so yeah. warm, right? And it's like just a beautiful little extra thing of mm. God's creation to be like, hey, like it's not good for man to be alone, yeah. you know? Like yeah. even in the cold of night, yeah, two people and yeah. staying warm. <laughs> yeah, the bed's been extra warm. Just Both kids have been getting in as well. So. You, got, you got a got a nice nice a little tr- oh, quad yeah, quad yeah, of people in the bed at the yeah, moment yeah. A little, little oven going on <laughs> yeah, nice. any uh any toenail scratches on your legs any bruises any we got oh, any thrashes in the group no hazel is a thrasher yeah she's a violent sleeper yeah. ash is pretty chill he just sort of lies there and classic asher just yeah. chill <laughs> so, yeah nice so no, good yeah, no, George is definitely a bit of a thrash. I've, I've gotten a couple of, like, fists to the eye in the middle of the night, which is always, like, you wake up and, like, your immediate response is you're so mad. And then you're like, oh, okay, it's my son. It's okay. He didn't mean it. Yes. You're like, who just punched me in the eye? It's not the funnest way yes, to wake up. No. Well, Mitch, for, for the, I mean, this was a very um, cold open. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> you're, listen, you're listening to banter. Yes. I'm Murray. This is Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, we've been going through for May Mission Month, our discipleship sort mm. of, or I shouldn't say discipleship, our commission, mm. our great commission series. And last Sunday we looked at discipleship. Yeah. Um, I thought it'd be really interesting to kind of start today by talking about some of our own personal experiences mm. with being discipled. And then maybe later we can talk about our experiences of discipling others mm. but just to open up mitch who's somebody when you look back so far at your your you know it wouldn't even have to be i think mm. a spiritual mentor it could have been mm. you know like one for your running or i don't know whatever it may yeah. have been who's somebody that you look to who is a really great mentor and why were they so mm. impactful for you yeah it's actually hard to nail down yeah one person in particular but mm. well, first thought it was actually my parents Funnily enough, mm. because they were quite involved in Sunday school mm. as kids. And so, yeah, I have memories of my mum leading times around the prayer circle, which she still, they still do actually, because mum took the kids up to their church and they still have like in their kids' church, like a little prayer circle. And so, good. yeah, I have memories of that and learning scripture. Um, yeah, so probably a lot of those key um, Sunday school teachers, mm. just modelling some of those, I guess, basic Christian principles of prayer, mm. Bible memorization, and Bible reading. They mm. got older. So yeah. Yeah. That would probably be it. That's probably what stood out. So as a kid, those key, yeah. those key people. Yeah. I feel mm. like we can't oversell how important those Sunday school teachers are, you mm. know, like 
it is something i think i've shared this before on banter as someone who grew up in a secular home i noticed this great divide of sort of really starting to attend church on a weekly basis when i was about in year eight um a lot of kids in the church who'd just grown up in the church gone through sunday school yeah like there's there's a great chasm between at Mm. that point my knowledge (laughs) of scripture and theirs and it's you know as somebody who's you know suddenly 12 13 14 that's i mean that's the sort of the spirit of the word right like that's that's your greatest weapon um so yeah no i can definitely see the value in that as somebody who wasn't as Mm. as sort of lucky to receive it i think for me i um had a really great mentor when i was a bit older um sort of at the end of high school going into uni uh mark a guy who was at my church and he was probably about 10 years older than me and i think the thing for me that was most impactful was um I think he knew that I responded well to tough love. (laughs) And I think that that, um, for me, was a big thing because I think Mm. sometimes um, people... Mm. Yeah, I think tough love, I think, often requires a history. It requires a bit more of a deeper relationship to be able to be like, hey, actually, mate, like I'm going to call you out on this. I'm going to rebuke you on this a little bit. And all done in love. Mm. It's always always, still love. But, yeah, I think... um, it, for me, it really underlined how much that um, sort of relationship of like sort of mentor disciple mm. was built on a previous sort of five yeah. years of relationship, and that you know it's not sort of always something that just happens overnight. No. It's yeah. a long-term journey. It reminds me of that. So I got it from a book called Following the Master by Michael Wilkins. Yeah. That there's no sort of magic program. Totally. Like you kind of like yeah, you can't just buy. Willow Creeks or Saddlebacks no. here, a six-week course, and you'll, it's like, no, like everyone's different. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think there's definitely some principles that mm. can apply, um, but when you start getting into the nitty-gritty of it, yeah. yeah, there's no sort of one formula, which I think was one of his points that yeah. we can look at a mm. bit later. But yeah, um, so we've kind of been looking at this idea of disciples on Sunday. Um, one thing that I'd love to quickly look at just from a complete nerd point of view <laughs> And sorry, we didn't talk about this before we started recording, but you mentioned the idea of um, when Jesus in the NIV says, go Mm, and make mm. disciples, um, that maybe that word in of itself in the English doesn't fully encapsulate the the broadness of that. Did you want to just nerd out, talk about Uh, the tense of that word? I've I've got some notes here. Come on. I always always put like my nerdy notes. So So it says here, Matthew uses an aorist passive participle which means after going so yeah. the idea is that it's the aorist is like past tense isn't it it's i've kind of forgotten all my greek stuff yeah yeah, yeah. and then the, the passive is um I'm trying to think of a way to describe it in english um it's not you're not the direct subject it's more the yeah. object and yeah, so yeah. and then the participle is like kind of the ing the yeah. ing words yeah, to that's, that's probably the way to simplify an aorist passive possible. Yeah, um, it gets a bit tricky with Greek because yeah. there's some 36 different tenses yes. that a single verb can be in. Yeah. So we kind of think of like past, present, future. Yeah. It's probably about it really yeah. that we think about. But yeah, there was a it, lot of... Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's actually the hard thing with um, Greek way off topic like you hear the word aorist and you just kind of know what it means but then actually trying to simplify it like, how do you simplify it to someone yeah. that doesn't know but anyway the point is we we read it like go as kind of being the imperative the command yes. and they're saying actually yes. the commands to make disciples yes and the idea is that after you go or as you go or just going yeah 
the command is to make disciples, so it's yeah. The commandment's not to go. Yeah. I don't know. Some people get really hung up on it. I don't know if it really matters that much, but I, I like the idea of it better, like going or as you go, or one guy had on your way. The mm. idea is like it's your life. It's not just a yeah. set time. Yeah. It's a whole life sort of. Movement. Yeah. I think I, like for me, I think it's a, it's a subtle, but I think mm. a, a really cool difference or sort of distinction, let's mm. say, because I think that there is this idea I think um, mentoring um, and, yeah, making disciples, I think it is something which requires intentionality. Mm. Um, But I think um, that almost being too prescriptive in that intentionality can uh, stemmy or stymie, I don't know, can (laughs) limit um, the ability to be flexible and limit the ability to be almost... um, a little bit like um, responsive to, okay, cool. Um, You kind of, it's this idea that you've, you know, the discipling model isn't a blueprint, you know, it's more, you know, maybe um, what's a better example, like, you know, some, and a recipe for a casserole, Mm. you're like, okay, cool. Like I kind of got the basics here, but you know, if I throw in a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and oh, actually it needs more salt. um, Yeah. Maybe a clearer distinction Mm. is I think sometimes we can think of discipling as like baking where you need to use like 250 (laughs) grams of this, but it's really, it's like, no, like throw in some tomatoes, like, and we need to keep on tasting and seeing and adjusting to make sure that the pot that we have in front of us is, you know, being served for yeah. its unique, what's going on with those ingredients for that and, situation. And the thing I like about like the after you go or on your way is it does model Jesus because Jesus, you see him on the move mm. a lot. Mm. And so, like, and that's what disciple meant was you, you imitate the behavior of your teacher. And yeah. so it's a similar way too. It's not kind of fixed. Mm. And while Matthew, it's interesting, like looking at the gospels, they have different, narratives and different purposes mm. and Matthews is a bit different to Luke and Acts but mm. Acts we see the church um, not going anywhere they just mm. sort of st- stuck in Jerusalem and then God brings in persecution they all yeah. spread out yeah, yeah. and the idea was that yeah like Jesus they're wandering around mm. on their way mm. going about and yeah. yeah for me I just like that image better Mm. Hard to do in like the modern world. We can't, don't really have a lifestyle of just wandering around. Yeah, but but, it's, but we can. But you can that if that's approach is like as I'm going around in my day to day. Totally. Yeah, you're, you're trying to you're go out and make disciples, not yeah. just a fixed hour. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in that as well, it means that, you know, when you've got someone who's a bit more sort of itinerant and sojourning Mm. like a Paul or even Mm. like Jesus, really, I mean, like you kind of (laughs) see the map of his ministry over three years. It's not that actually bigger (laughs) sort of stretch of land, Mm -hmm. really. I mean, maybe for someone walking, but it's, it's not, you know, this idea of Jesus wasn't at that point physically, geographically going out to all nations. You know, he recognized that his ministry was in a particular place Mm. at a particular time to then allow that seed to grow into Mm. something you know profound but I think that that allows for both the people who yeah are doing the nine to five Monday to Friday sort of in one place quite rooted Mm. in you know a certain 
suburb, a yeah, certain yeah. community, um, to still be going mm. as they go, making disciples. Yeah. And then for those people who are feeling called to, you know, go out yeah. to, you know, far regional communities or whatever it might be, go out and do these missional things, which I think sort of ties in perfectly with this May Mission Month, mm. where I think we can take on the sort of incorrect mentality that, cool, I'll do my nine to five job, earn the money so I can support people yes. doing the real mission yeah. the real discipling as they go yes. <laughs> because i'm staying mm. <laughs> right and it's like no like you don't need to physically yeah. you know move destination to be going in this commission yeah. which i think is really important that mm. both are correct yeah and, and that's doesn't um, let us off the hook i think that's where <clears throat> i've used this language to describe the center like the business as mission model mm-hmm. comes into play and yeah where people go overseas and use their secular employment to be missionaries yeah. and recognising that, oh, my my mission field is the people I work with. Mm. I've had a few people kind of say here, oh, anyone could do that. I was like, yeah, that's the point. If you're a Christian <laughs> business owner, you can be a business's mission. It's not just a church thing. Yeah, you um, also don't need to go overseas to do yeah, it. But yeah, it's, no, it's, yeah. yeah, if you're a Christian business person, yeah. you actually can reach a lot of people that the normal church can't. Totally. You yeah. gotta interact with customers that mm. so Yeah. And and that, I say it with Paul's tent making ministry. Yeah. And yeah. There's sort of NT Wright's got a book called Paul A Biography where he kind of makes up a fictionalized yeah. as much as like historically yeah, yeah, accurate yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of and he describes tent making not this sort of lowly profession, but mm. like it was quite he's quite skilled and yeah. possibly it's all a bit of speculation, like may have been originally more about helping stuff around the temple or the synagogue not yeah. just building a tent to sleep in but yeah 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 helping fix curtains so yeah yeah no all that stuff like you know for the sacred space so yeah, yeah. that's the point of that is he's interacting with the community mm. and it was actually the pharisees and if you can divorce kind of the negative portrayal of pharisees in the gospels like at the core the pharisees were about <coughs> living a pure life not getting yahweh's Roth again, avoiding always Roth. Being in the world but not of the world <laughs> yeah. was kind of their model. Yeah, and they would regularly, they would have jobs, yeah. and then synagogue was so there was this no kind of paid mm. professional ministry mm. person. It was, mm. yeah. Well, we get a little insight with Zachariah, John the Baptist's father. Mm-hmm. He's had he's got his turn of mm-hmm. serving, mm-hmm. then he goes back to his mm-hmm. whatever his job is, mm. probably looking after his little plot of land or whatever mm. it might be. So mm. you're going to talk us out of a job, Mitch. Um, yes. <laughs> I think that it is really, um, yeah, encouraging and impactful though as well. I, um, without being too specific, was speaking to a mate only the other day and they were sharing about a uh, university ministry that they're a part of. Um, but essentially, um, the, the ministry's model originally came from the States and the whole brand of it, the whole sort of, you know, mm. model of it is adventure right so over in the states at the uni that started at there was like you know rock climbing and kayaking and you know like getting out into nature and it was almost a social club for outdoor sort of recreational activities that then incorporated discipleship jesus Mm. sharing the gospel and what's happened is this sort of organization has come over to australia um has tried to establish a club you know at one at a new uni um but they're kind of in the middle of the city (laughs) so people don't really go kayaking bushwalking even rock climbing um so it means that 
purely this group is then just a discipleship yeah. or evangelism group <laughs> and it just makes it really hard mm. because they're not they're not making disciples as they're going mm. <laughs> they're kind of just trying to make disciples mm. and it's almost like it's a, it's a missing part of the equation yeah. a little bit that as we are just going as we are just mm. doing life it actually is kind of a, yeah a core essential part or maybe a better sort of term would mm. be it's sort of the grease that can get the gears yeah. moving a bit of relationship of conversation of growing together mm. you know um well i yeah. think it actually shows that what's successful in one area doesn't necessarily translate mm. to another and it's it's not one size fits, fits all, all right yeah. yeah and yeah even within sydney it's depending on which suburb you're in, you're gonna have a different strategy yeah so out here in the hills it's gonna be very different to where i was at regions park where yeah it's multicultural and lots of english as second language so yeah yeah, yeah even within it within in a city, we have different strategies. So. No, for sure, for yeah, sure. That's why at first point, one size doesn't fit all. No, absolutely. Well, look, I think it would be um, mm. kind of cool just before we get into yep. those really practical tips for mm. discipleship from that Watkins book. Um, you mentioned this idea um, that ultimately this idea of going out and making disciples mm. um, and eventually to, like to all nations as well mm. as the idea is tying into a lot of Old Testament imagery. Mm. Definitely, you know, the Abraham blessing, the mm. Abrahamic covenant of, you know, uh, you will be blessed to be, mm. you know, blessing to all people. But this idea as well, the hope for the nations on mountains mm. in three passages yes. in Isaiah. Yes. Uh, and then you sort of mentioned Jesus then teaches and he's crucified on a mountain, mm. um, kind of tying into that imagery a bit. Um, but from a sort of broader sort of thematic mm. perspective, what is the significance of mountains? Yeah. What is maybe something that we as modern Westerners are missing in that image of a mm. mountain? So, um, so you got to go back to how the ancients thought of the world as a big dome. Yeah. And the gods live in the sky. And before those modern buildings, what's one of the highest things closest to the sky? A mountain. Sure. And so... Mountains were places where temples were built. And in the Bible, lots of key events happen on mountains. Mm. So the Garden of Eden is a mountain yep. and comes out of the sea, going out God parts yep. the waters. And we know that because there's rivers that are flowing through it. And Each uh, way as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like each, each of the four directions. directions. <laughs> so the idea is that, well, uh, gravity probably hasn't changed much. It's got to sure. go downhill. So obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. Eden's on this mountain and... Um, to kind of cut a long story short, there's um, the temple on Mount Zion is mm. built on yeah a mountain, and Isaiah talks about it becoming so Isaiah two two um, it says in the last days a mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains, mm. and Mount Zion is not the highest mountain in the world, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's more <clears throat> representing of theological highest, sure. like it's the most important. Yeah, yeah, so similar yeah. to when David's described as the firstborn. Mm -hmm. Like David's the eighth son of Jesse, like firstborn, i.e. supremacy. Mm. And when, when Paul talks about Jesus being like firstborn, it's like supremacy. So mm. the idea here is the highest mountain, i.e. is the supreme mountain. Yeah, we're not talking about Everest. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, Mount yeah, Zion. Zion. Yeah. And then it will be exalted above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And so Isaiah um, is picturing the, the temple and Jerusalem being the center of the world, mm. which according to the Jews, they believe that Abraham sacrificed Isaac on the same 
Oh, sorry, no, not Jesus. Actually, in Scripture, Abraham nearly sacrificed Isaac on the same mm-hmm. mountain, Mount Zion. Yeah. But the Jews believed that Zion was actually the location of Eden. So it's not in the Bible, but the rabbis believed that. So if that is true, then that's a pretty cool little connection that perhaps mm. Eden was actually Zion. But mm. point of that is that this the temple Zion, this mountain, was where the mountains would, where the nations would stream. Mm. Jesus now changes that. He becomes the temple. Mm-hmm. So in John's um, gospel, when he cleanses the temple in John yeah. 2, he says, you know, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise up. And they're like, what? Yeah. It took 46 years to build this. What on earth are you going on about? And he's like, well, he's talking about his body. Mm. And so and in Matthew's gospel, yeah, it, Jesus kind of takes on a bit of a Moses persona. For sure. Uh, he's even a bit like Moses, you know, he has to flee from persecution as a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goes down yeah. to Egypt and comes back and teaches yeah. on a mountain yeah. and transfigured on a mountain yeah. and now gives his final command on a mountain. A bit like Moses did to Joshua. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even has yeah. like sort of five core yeah, sort of teachings yeah. which kind of align with the five yeah, first books of the Pentateuch. So. Yeah. And, but now he's not calling the disciples to, okay, make disciples and bring them to Jerusalem. It's actually bring them to Emmanuel. And mm. we'll talk about that last week. So mm. I'm mm. with you always. So yeah, yeah, Emmanuel, yeah. God with us. And yeah. Jesus even gives that promise that when there's conflict in the church and they're dealing with sin, you know, we're two or three are gathered, mm-hmm. I am there with you. Mm. We often use that as a bit of a, oh, we're two or three are gathered, you're here with us for mm. prayer. It's like, well, mm. that's true, but also in the context, it's actually about conflict in the church. Yeah, Jesus yeah, yeah. promise his presence will be there. Yeah. And yeah. So, and that's part of it that before his arrival, mm. the nations now find, yeah. The presence of Jesus where they are at because mm. he is Emmanuel God with us not at a sacred location mm. however that shifts in the book of Revelation because we know that heaven will come down mm-hmm. and there'll be new Jerusalem mm-hmm. and so yeah Isaiah and the prophets this way it gets a bit confusing kind of the old and new they they see the end but they see more of a like literal temple mm. where Revelation changes that it's like ah, hey, there's no temple because mm. Jesus is the temple mm. so yeah, that's mm. that, that's really what that hope of the nations is. Mm. is that ultimately, yeah, we will stream to a mountain because mm. New Jerusalem will come down, and the description of the city is, you know, its gates are open, so it's really mm. safe. There's, you know, no darkness. Mm. It's light because God brings light. So, yeah, but for now, in this time and space, we don't have sacred places because Jesus is there with us, and that's the the call that disciples have. Yeah, is to, yeah bring Jesus to the nation, so to speak. Yeah. Because his presence is with us always. Mm. I love it. Yeah. Mm. No, it's this idea of sort of, yeah, a mountain being where heaven meets earth mm. is, I think, something that, yeah, we can sometimes miss. And even, if I'm being honest, occasionally forget. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, I think that... Um, <laughs> It's something which was, yeah, so ingrained in the sort of understanding and subconscious and sort of almost, yeah, theology, you know, mm. of, of, of Jews that this was a place where, where God moved. And, yeah, it's not something that I think in a way, like, it's funny, I think of a bunch of mates who've proposed to their partners on the top of a mountain mm. and stuff. Like, I think there is still this subconscious idea yeah. that there's something beautiful and yeah. special about being at the top yeah. of the mountain. And so hopefully now for dear listeners, you'll notice mountains popping up. Mm. More and more, yeah. like geography makes a is a big deal in yeah. scripture. Yeah. And so, particularly Old Testament seals. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mountains. Yeah. That's why there's so much reference to mountains. Yeah. And yeah. 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 Hills and yeah. 
Yeah. Mount Zion's better than Mount Carmel yeah, or yeah, yeah. Mount Zaphon. Yep. That's why, because it's where the home yeah, of the yeah, temple yeah. is. Love it. So mm. good. Well, look, I'd love to sort of get into some of these tips for yeah. disciples. Um, I think we've probably already done a pretty good job at looking at the first one, yeah, which yeah. is there's no magic program <laughs> that's different for each person. Yeah challenging people to pick up their cross um it's obviously something that we've spoken about Mm. a lot before and i think that it's ultimately something um yeah it's really interesting because i think that um yeah we live in a society that you know wants to try to mitigate pain and suffering as much as possible Mm. um it is a very countercultural message Mm. to encourage people to lean into the pain Mm. whether it's you know a social sort of persecution whether Mm. it's physical whether it's you know whatever it might be Mm. even i was um i can't i'll I'll never forget when i was probably about 16 i went to a a sort of i don't know um conference Mm. and this guy said something that like stay with me forever he goes um if you start following jesus your life will get harder I was like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'd, I'd already made that decision at that point. Like, I wish someone had told me yeah. this when I first... But I think that um, that's not something that people talk about a lot. No, because <laughs> we, we want... I guess deep down, you know, we want people to get saved. And so we want to present it as like this great life Like decision, an infomercial. Which it, yeah, 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 which it is. But <laughs> we want to mitigate against... We want to, yeah, not talk about the, the pain and the suffering that that yeah. brings. And... Look, yeah, actually, I can think of a great example. When I used to do scripture teaching in the high school, there was a lunchtime group that would meet after scripture class. Mm. And yeah, say nicely, these kids were, they weren't like the most popular kids. And they were actually like ridiculed for their faith. Like Mm. to come along was a big deal for them. They were hacked on, they were bagged out. They Mm. sometimes at the lunchtime group was their only friends. Mm. I saw that for these kids, I mean, following Jesus is a big deal in this school these kids are really serious like you're not doing this because you want to become popular like there's something and I compared that to when I was at Regent's Park and when I just started four of the teenagers wanted to get baptised mm. and we chatted and none of them had been persecuted for their faith because mm-hmm. they're in a Christian school in fact yeah, sure. it was the Christian kids who are on the outer the non-Christian kids who are on the outer yeah you'd probably be persecuted if you were like an atheist or and a just, Muslim it or... just dawned on me I was like there's no real like I'm not like their faith was genuine, but I realized that the cost factor was a lot yeah. less than those kids in the public school. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were like willing to you know not you know, be excluded from the handball game in for the year eight boys or whatever it was. There yeah. was a real like cost, but for them it was worth it because they go, oh, well, I believe is the real Jesus has transformed my life, and I, remember it was, I found that deeply challenging. Because when I was in high school, I had a faith that it was pretty like. Yeah, it's probably mm. a bit more intellectual. I enjoyed like, didn't really live it out, and yeah. so I found that deeply challenging. Like, well, when I was in year seven or year eight, I wouldn't have been like that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I see as part of picking up your cross. Is that even in a country where there's very little persecution, like yeah. imprisonment, you're still, mm. yeah, you're gonna face some sort of social ostracization, mm. or even just from a personal point of view, you've got to give up sins and habits which aren't very godlike. Mm. Uh, and that can be challenging even just in and of itself yeah. just needing to yeah. you know pick up your cross gouge your eye out yeah, cut, yeah. cut off so your speak, hand yeah like, that's the way part jesus of it. speaks about it isn't yeah. something that's like enjoyable yeah like it's funny i feel like maybe weeding a garden or mm. you know like pulling out a, a, a festering splinter or something yeah. like there's um more edifying imagery 
mm. than actually gouging your eye out or cutting off your hand. These, yeah. these ideas aren't meant to be easy. Yeah, no. And like Jesus, you read the Gospels, it's pretty brutal sometimes. Um, Doesn't mince his words. No, and there's that one guy who goes, hey, you know, let me follow you. First, let me, you know, bury my father. He's like, ah, oh, let the dead bury their dead. And there's a deliberate, like, allusion back to Elisha when he's called by Elijah because mm. Elisha's allowed to say goodbye. Jesus yeah. is like, nah. <laughs> like, yeah. Elisha was allowed to say goodbye, but for me, nah, you're not, you're not allowed to. It's like, oh, brutal. You know, yeah. Foxes have, you know, holes. Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. Mm. He, he's a big call. Yeah. Anyways. Look... I think, like, ultimately, um, we don't want to um, misrepresent that idea no. of picking up your cross mm. so as to make it attractive. Yeah. But is there a way to make it attractive that is actually still faithfully representing mm. what that idea mm. means? Yeah, it's a great question. It's interesting. I've, I've kind of jumped on the cold shower bandwagon sure. the last, like, month or so. Okay. Um, so Wim Hof, I don't know if you've heard of mm-hmm. him. Yeah, the Iceman. Yeah. So I just I just found it interesting just to kind of get in that world. And so there's just for those who don't know, Wim Hof is a I think he's Norwegian. Anyway, he's he's a guy who jumps into like ridiculously cold water and promotes the health benefits of it. Like so there's reduces no, inflammation, yeah. increases blood flow, um, yeah. helps like yeah build your immune system, and yeah. also part of it's just mental toughness. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's a big following of people that do it and mm. there's like footage of people jumping in these freezing ice baths cheering each other on so I think there's I think because like an, I don't think Wim Hof has a faith at all I'd say he's probably like secular sure but I think that deep down people are looking for some sort of discipline or mm. something in their life to add meaning to it and yeah. that's what I find interesting is that yeah um, the, all the hard moments so with Rachel in hospital now and even with Asha it's this weird sort of like uh I didn't really like it, but also at the same time I did. Like it helped my faith grow. And I remember someone reading about the persecuted church saying, the persecuted church is like a cup of tea. The more boiling water you pour in, the more flavor comes out. And so, yeah, it's this weird sort of thing where actually hard times help us grow. Without the hard times, we wouldn't be the people we are. And like the whole idea of picking up the cross, I see it as similar as actually this is going to help you grow mm-hmm. as a person. This is character building. This is character shaping. This is faith building, which if we hadn't gone through it, never would have happened. And yeah, I, I remember reading one of Joni Erickson Tater's book a few years back. She's got hundreds, so I can't remember which one it was, but she just said something. She goes, a lot of people pray for her healing. They'll come up to say, oh, God told me you need to be healed and you got sin in your life or you don't have enough faith. And she, she always responds. She goes, well, I actually feel for me that I needed to go. If you don't know Jenny Erickson Taylor, she was, um, I think she'd been in the 60s now. When she was a teenager, she dove off a, um, uh, like a platform into a river and broke her neck and became a quadriplegic. And so she's quite a prolific author, speaker. And mm. she writes like, God needed this. If this hadn't happened, God couldn't have used me the way I am. Like yeah. if I'd been healed, I wouldn't have had the ministry I have today and the impact Mm. And so it's not diminishing the pain. Like she's in agonizing pain and mm. can't sleep properly, but recognizing that, okay, like this accident wasn't just some random event that happened out outside God's control. God used it mm. in a way that has blessed millions of people. Mm. And yeah, that's why I see that picking up the cross, making it attractive in a sense that it'll 
help you grow as a person. A bit mm. like exercise. Like exercise, yeah, it's painful. Times it hurts, but it's kind of what the body needs. Like you mm. can't just sit around all day. You just get like the humans in um Wally. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just floating on their little <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Remote control. Yeah, yeah, we need um we need resistance. We need stresses on our body to mm. to grow. Yeah, and I see that similar as faith mm. and. Yeah, even if you're... I guess that's the mystery of theology, and theology is like God and evil, mm. um, is that some people will suffer tremendously. Like mm. some people just... I just call them jobs. I'm like, man, it just seems like everything goes wrong in their lives. Like others just have nothing. No real sickness, no... Yeah. But even then, even if your life's pretty hunky-dory, as mm. much as it can be in a broken world, mm. yeah, just embracing that cross, that mm. picking up the cross mindset. That's, yeah. 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 About building character and faith and... yeah. Yeah, not just caving into whatever temptation you want or mm. sin in your life. But yeah, it's a yeah. Um, it's a pretty dark analogy, but um, there's, there's a great um, sort of episode in the latest season of Cobra Enthusiasm where they talk about the wisdom that somebody has when they have stage three cancer. That essentially mm. when somebody's about to mm. like, you know, what, what? when someone is looking in the face of death, mm. they almost suddenly are endowed with this, like, you know, from on high maybe mm. or something, mm. you know, they're not kind of saying it in, in godly mm. terms, but this wisdom that, um, yeah, essentially if, if you are going through real struggle and real trial and real heartache, um, there is this profound wisdom, mm. insight, um, and yeah, a real stoicism that can come out of that. Um, and yeah, I think ultimately that is, that is the idea. I, um, heard a sort of little soundbite mm. recently, uh, <laughs> your mess is your message. This mm. idea that ultimately those moments in your life that have been most painful, are the things that do define you and are the things that are probably going to be most valuable for others. Mm. You know, that story of how you got through, um, mm. ultimately even, I mean, pretty much every single Hollywood movie, you know, the hero needs to go through the hero's an, an incredible mm. sort of moment where they essentially go into the belly of the beast, mm. go into the dragon's lair, go into that, you know, really high intensity situation to actually come out the other mm. side changed um, and ultimately being a, you know, improved person and a better mm. person for it. Um, I think that when we start sort of showing this sort of just universal mm. sort of fact and idea that ultimately it is these moments in our stories mm. that are going to allow us to step into a new season to yeah. become everything we're meant to be. And I think it gives meaning to, I guess, the pain and suffering in our lives. Totally. Um, I find it interesting just with what's going on with Rach right now. Just look, and they mean well, like at daycare, like they're. I guess secular, you'd say, no belief. And they go, oh, sending like really positive thoughts to Rachel. It's like, huh. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean laugh, but yeah. I, know, I, but I think that. Like, what what does that mean to you? <laughs> How, like, yeah, I just find an interesting term, like, you know, positive vibes, good thoughts to her. I was like, okay, how, how's she going to get those positive thoughts? Yeah. Is there some sort of like, I don't know. And it's just interesting. Yeah. It just becomes a bit like wishy-washy. Yeah. Or there's like, there's no sort of sort of meaning to... Yeah. And no, I think it's a like really profound critique mm. of a secular age yeah. where like, I, I kind of see it as being endemic of one of two things. Mm. Either um, they sort of 
you know, desire <laughs> that mm. there was a way for them to send out yeah. positive vibes into the world mm. and that it actually made a difference. Mm. So there's sort of this like naive hope yeah, yeah. that it's like they feel so helpless in this moment yeah. and they don't have prayer. Mm. So they sort of are desperately trying to grasp onto something mm. else. Or the other option is they genuinely believe in whatever their worldview yeah. is, whether it's atheist, agnostic, that there is still some power yeah. in sending out well wishes for someone. Yeah. And ultimately, I think both of them point towards a need for God, God yeah. right? Whether it's mm. the, um, you know, sort of desperate hope that there was mm. such a thing or the somewhat vague belief that there is power mm. in that. It both points towards ultimately yeah, yeah. a need and desire for God. And it is fascinating. And that's what's great about the Old Testament, too. Good, I guess in the New too, is that the, the Bible doesn't answer the question of like evil and suffering, yeah. apart from Genesis 3. Oh, we know, sure. but it doesn't go into it doesn't answer our questions yes and the the psalmist particularly all the like um the teacher from ecclesiastes mm. it's like i don't get what's happening like you know why god, god why have you forsaken me mm. like so stuff like language like that is yeah. they, even they wrestle with but they just know ah oh, my hope's in you lord that's how a lot of those psalms sort of yeah start with like this cry of lament and pain yeah and then it kind of leads into worship yeah and that's what yeah that's what i love about the bible in that sense is that mm -hmm. yeah it doesn't answer our questions and so yeah faithful the faithful men and women of the past wrestled with the same questions we had yeah but just led them to worship and so yeah yeah and for me i find that deeply comforting particularly ecclesiastes where he's like ah, i see the righteous getting what the wicked deserve and the wicked getting what the righteous deserve yeah this yeah. is all chavel. i don't understand this it's, yeah I think it's yeah. a really like important and valuable shift of mindset when we're no longer thinking that we're going to praise and worship mm. God um, purely so good things happen to mm. us, but we're going to praise and worship God so that we can have his support and rest mm. under his wings in those moments, in the, you know, shadow of the va or valley mm -hmm. of death, right? Uh, yeah, that's that's what Psalm 23 is promising, yeah, yeah. that you will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I am there mm. with you, you know? Yeah, it's not a, it's a, yeah, I think we've kind of, look, it's a beautiful psalm, but I think, you know, my images of it as a kid was just a picture of a lamb on a hill, or, you know, a shepherd yeah. sort of carrying, but yeah, it is, valley of shadow of death, it's a graphic image. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, he's skirting around Hades. Oh, no, Sheol, I should say. Yeah, 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 yeah. skirting around Sheol there. Um, yeah, yeah. But God's there with him. And yeah, and, and even like Jesus too, like Jesus literally picks up a cross and needs help getting it up the hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but like he's, yeah, bearing his crosses. I just love it how he gets unanswered prayer. It's like, oh, remove this cup from me, yet not your, my will, but yours be done. Mm. And so. That's part of what I see. Even that, in the, the mystery of Jesus being human and divine. His yeah. human, almost his human parts like, oh, I don't want to go through this. Mm. Like, you know. Yeah. But yeah. it's not my will. And that's, a, I find it deeply profound and can't really give you an answer how that works. But It's mind-bending that God doesn't answer his own prayer <laughs> yes. in that moment. <clears throat> but I think it's, I said this to a number of people, it's, the thing about it's unique about the Christian worldview is we worship a God who understands our suffering. That's mm. what essentially Hebrews talks about mm. a lot. Yeah, if you've got unanswered prayer, well, Jesus knows that. If you've got going through medical trauma, well, Jesus knows that. If you're feeling lonely, well, Jesus knows that. Um, yeah. If you feel like God's not listening to you, yeah, Jesus, like us. Yeah. All these things that Jesus understands that. Yeah. And so it doesn't, yeah, magically make the pain disappear. But it's, yeah. yeah. 
I did cry too. Anyway. No, no, I was just going to mm. say a, a, another sort of um, idea that Watkins puts forward in his book is um, to model Christ-like mm. behavior. I think that, you know, <coughs> probably most of us, you know, listening to banter can probably on in a broader way, you know, get their head around what Christ-like <laughs> behavior looks like. I was wondering, how do you see that um, sort of manifesting itself more specifically in a discipleship model? Yeah. What does being a Christ-like sort of mentor um, to a disciple yeah. look like for you? Practicing what you preach. Yeah. It's probably the biggest one. Yeah. Um, I look at we're all sinful people that yeah. have our areas of weakness and growth, but yeah, there should be this desire to continue to want to reflect Jesus. Mm. Um, yeah, not just in a public setting, but also privately. Mm. That's probably, yeah, that's where it's most hard. I think mm. when you're behind closed doors, alone. And yeah, for me, that's what I see is that, that modelling. Just also just showing people how to live. Mm. And it, even with... um. I was thinking about this too, even just like, say, say someone works you know, for you know, whatever whatever job they're doing, mm. yeah, even how you react on the job site, that's modeling Christ. I mean, even if you're not discipling someone properly, like yeah. that's sort of showing, so then you're actually living out what mm. you're doing. Mm. Very easy to say, very hard to do. Yeah. And, but yeah, that's so, and like the example of driving, yeah, because mm. that was quite, that was relevant to me because, you know, yeah. Seeing some pretty stupid thing on the road. I'm like, oh, oh man. Goodness. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard not to get angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, totally. You know. So, yeah, it's like, remember those, did you ever see those What Would Jesus Do bands? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, WWJD. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit like that. It's like, okay, how I model it in my own life mm. when no one's watching, how I do it with the people around me. Yeah. And, yeah, that's, that's how I really see it. Yeah. I think one profound way that, um, sort of like previous mentors for me have really modeled Christ in a way that maybe other people didn't have the opportunity to as much mm. is uh, through grace mm. and forgiveness. Mm, mm, mm. Um, so what I mean by that is for me, um, I think it's still something that I struggle with, but I think I've gotten a lot better with it as I've gotten older. <laughs> um, I was quite guilty when I was younger of, you know, making plans to catch up with someone and then being like, oh no, like I'm running so late or, mm. you know, I'd completely forgotten. I'm so sorry, which meant like I sort of, you know, am embarrassed to admit there were more than one occasion that, you know, I was like 40 minutes late to like a morning coffee meeting or like literally just completely like stood up somebody mm. who was supposed to be meeting at the church to like yeah, catch yeah. up and just like never turned up. Like the older I get, the more I realize that I'm able to put myself in their perspective. I'm like, that's so annoying. Mm. Like I'm investing in this kid. Like, I mean, for them, like this is, this is me like going above and beyond. I'm investing in this person. I'm putting my own free time, Mm. my own resources into this person. And like, they're not really respecting my time Mm. right now. They're not really respecting me. Um, and yeah, I mean, looking back on it for me, I'd be very tempted to just be like, well, look, mate, this isn't working. Yeah. (laughs) Like this isn't working. Mm. Um, and ultimately I think a part of that comes back to tough love, which was really helpful for me. But I think another thing is, 
you know, being patient and kind mm. and not keeping a record of wrongs, yeah, right? That's sort of 1 Corinthians 13 of what, yeah, what does yeah. love look like? Mm. Um, and obviously often quoted at weddings, which is great, <laughs> but like the original sort of idea that Paul's giving forth is how do we do Christian community yeah. together, right? Um, yeah, being patient and kind and not keeping a record of wrongs, I think, is massive and something which I think that... Um, in a modern society, we can be so quickly to write people off. Mm. I know a lot of people who literally um, have, at, in seasons, um, a certain friend or relationship mm. um, has maybe not met them halfway in the effort, and they just like, we'll stuff them. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, I'm sick of always putting in the effort to maintain this relationship, mm. like, stuff them, and not maybe having that deeper grace and understanding and patience and, you know, not keeping a record of wrongs to be mm. like, you know what? Maybe this person is just, like, really, you know, has their back against the wall mm. at the moment. Maybe they're really struggling and being able to continue to walk with someone through mm. that, continue to show that patience mm. um, and kindness and grace. Yeah, a, Easier said than done. It is. There <laughs> actually is an exercise that, um, I don't know, it's, um, oh, it's from, it's from a, um, I, can't think, I can't remember the book now, but I read it somewhere. And basically the idea is try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Mm. So someone, um, I don't know, use the road example, cuts you off mm. rather than go, oh, maybe they cut me off because they're running late because they have to take their sick partner to mm. hospital or mm. something. And that is like the idea is like try to give people, okay, it may not, may not be true, but it actually helps you like heart, not have a bitterness against yeah, someone yeah, actually yeah. going, well, maybe there's things deeper than mm. what. Yeah. That was like a, it was a recommended, like this book was recommending it. It was a spiritual discipline to embrace to help you like, not be bitter and harbor hatred and anger yeah. at someone. Yeah. Uh, actually be more like, well, maybe they've, yeah, not excusing behavior, but just in that in your mind so you can forgive them easier. Yeah. And, no, totally. Um, mm. Yeah. I even sort of think of that idea of um, leaving the 99 for the one and sort of chasing yeah. people out. I think that there's something to say in this idea of um, if, um, Jesus hadn't had the authority and almost, you know, the agreement that these, you know, 12 disciples were going to be his followers, his students. At times, like, Jesus probably mm. would have been seen as a stalker, right? Mm. If, like, if it wasn't an agreement that he had said, follow me, and they'd said, okay, we're going to follow you. Because yep. there are times that, you know, for some of the different disciples, um, Jesus goes out and, and chases them a little, mm. goes out, you know, and, and follows them and gets brings them back. And I think that this idea that in this agreement and a somewhat more official agreement of mental discipleship, it does give that person permission mm. to go, hey, you know what? Like this sort of connection, this relationship at the moment, like it's sort of deteriorating, mm. you're sort of pulling back, but I'm going to overextend myself yeah. right now. I'm going to leave the 99 and chase that one. And obviously, like, it's not something that just anyone can do. Mm. If you've got somebody who you've spoken to once <laughs> at church yeah. and then you stop coming to church and someone's like, hey, like, I've missed you at church, mm. it's my maybe going to ring a bit insincere yeah, yeah. and be like, well, like, what's with the third degree? Can you, like, yeah, yeah. leave me alone? But if you've got that deep connection, if you've got that history, you can be like, hey, like, I noticed you haven't been to church in two months. But, like, what's going on? Mm. Like, let's have a coffee. And if they don't respond, even maybe having that sort of skin in the game to go, mm. hey, you didn't respond to my last message, like what's going on and being a bit more persistent in that. I see that as being Christ-like behavior mm. in the right framework yeah. and the right paradigm of discipling. Mm. It's, um, yeah, I think it's, it has that super strong value of 
having a lot more investment ultimately means that you can push those relationships yes. a bit further, which ultimately is going to go deeper mm. and make them stronger. Mm. It's really cool. It's cool. Heading into the next um, part <laughs> of the Great Commission, what have we got on mm, for this um, Sunday? So I'm going to go baptize and teach. All right. So you're going to look at both. So baptism as an initiation mm. to the ritual mm. and then teaching is building upon that. So All right. going to look at... Um, John the Baptist's baptism, nice. what that kind of represented, mm. and how, yeah, particularly in Matthew's gospel, he only uses baptism of John, mm. and at the end of his gospel, the Great Commission, mm. and unlike Mark, and it must have been a deliberate choice because Mark talks, of, he mentions how Jesus describes his death as a baptism. Mm. Matthew doesn't do that, which is mm. interesting. Mm. So it means that's a deliberate choice. Mm. He's taken that word out, and so we're meant to kind of think back to. John's baptism and Jesus' baptism by John. Mm. And so what does that mean for us as Christians, what that represents? And then obviously once that has happened, you've been baptized, the building upon that through teaching yeah. Jesus' commands. So that will be fun. Looking forward to oh, it. I am too. Too so. easy. Well, thanks for hanging in there with us, guys, and we'll uh, see yeah, you on see you Sunday. On. See you, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed. <laughs>